I'm going with Fairfield Prep in this game. Mm. Okay, I think that this is not our previous Cardinals. I'm going with Fairfield Prep. I'm sorry, Greenwich. I just don't don't see it. Pushed Hillhouse up and down their own field. Now Mask finally home. Tans coming to town desperate. I like the Panthers, Panthers. on their own field. Go get him, Nick. I'm going to take Mask. I think they're going to win. Like Greenwich, this isn't in the hands from a couple of years ago. The Gales at number seven. I even had him higher than that. I had him all the way at three after that big that, 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 I don't know where you have. I also, I also moved them up to number three. Is Cog and Chalk for real? They will have us know that they are for real. But at Stafford, I'm going with the Bulldogs. Bulldogs. I'm going with Stafford in this one. I'm going, I'm with, going the Bulldogs, with the Bulldogs, the Fighting, fighting Mazonians. Would I be shocked if Torrington won this game? No, not at all. But at least these Woodland got them in their own field. I like Woodland. I have a hard time picking against the Rams. This so I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to go, go with, go with Cheshire on this one. Everybody and welcome once again to <laughs> the meat grinder. And if anyone who feels like he's going through a sluice, it's me and Pete. Oh my goodness. It's we thought this season was gonna be wild. <laughs> the first two weeks I was kind of like, no, maybe it's not gonna be so wild. But then week four happened. And well, I have no idea what, <laughs> what was that. But the only thing we know for certain is that. Darian is the best team in the state, but St. Joe is probably right there. What is that game? The whole game, whole season seems like it's going to be centered around that game in a few weeks, the end of the month. But until then, Pete, what? <laughs> I'm sitting up there at Newtown. I'm looking at the scores on Twitter, and I'm just like, it's like, it's like bizarro world. Yeah, this is the year of the shoulder shrug emoji. Uh, I think I said that earlier. <laughs> I said um, that on Twitter. It just doesn't, it just doesn't, look, it doesn't make any sense to us. That doesn't mean the season doesn't make sense, but it's, um, it's been interesting. I I think I'm past the point, you know, when you like keep laughing and then you keep laughing and then you start crying. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I feel right now. I I feel like the Joker. I laugh every time I look at the scoreboard. I'm like, what the hell? And then I laugh and then I laugh and then I start to cry and I'm, cackling while I cry and then I'm sobbing on the floor in the fetal position while I cry I'm gonna do a deep cut for uh, you know all you 80s guys out there but uh, you know a lot of the kids they won't know this one but think about that scene from the money pit (laughs) where Tom Hanks and Shelly Long pour the water into the bath and the bathtub just falls to the floor they're just staring at the, at the broken just destruction on the ground of their of their home, which is just falling apart around them. And Tom Hanks is just holding a bucket in his hand, just looking down. And he starts cackling. <laughs> it's one of the most funny scenes in uh, he's ever done. But think about that. That's that's how I feel about this season. Um, it's been wild. 
Well, let's just start with the top 10 because five teams, five teams got beat in the top 10. And Ned Griffin from the day of Delano was trying to figure out when the last time we had so many teams in the top 10 lose all at once. He, he, he went back to 2013. I mean, I think so. I think that sounds about right. But I mean, you know, if you looked at the, the, the top 10 from last week, you saw number four go down. Southington lose to, loses to Hall. You have number five, Newtown, loses 10-7 to Ridgefield. Number seven, Shelton gets obliterated by Trumbull, 41-7. The darling teams of Gales come into this week, riding high after win over Greenwich last week, and get just shown the door by Corbett Smith and Trumbull. And then number eight, Cheshire, they, uh, Christian Russo doesn't play in their game of the week. They have an 18, they have an 18, 12 lead and end up losing that game. 25, 18, five top 10 teams went down two. sorry, four out of the five top 10 teams beat went down to unranked teams. The only ranked team to beat another ranked team was Greenwich at number nine, beating number uh, six Fairfield prep in a game I saw on Saturday. Uh, that was ugly. Greenwich gr- glad to get out of there, but uh, you know, just as just, just carnage everywhere. And uh, I think Greenwich coach Anthony Morello, whose team got just destroyed by Shelton last week, needed this one badly. He had the best kind of line of the day. He said, "Well, that's what we expected." Is the unexpected. We that's why you're seeing all this stuff. It, everyone's expecting, you know, big wins and you know four touchdown leads, and that's not the schedule that we have this year. That's not the the, the team of guys that we have this year. We're two years removed. We have we have freshmen and sophomores starting on this varsity team. So we have a lot of young guys, really talented guys, and great senior leadership. But uh, you know, it's just it's not your your prototypical, um, just fall football season there's so many other elements that are coming into it and you're seeing that all over the state with a big win from a team one week then a loss from that same team next week and everyone's beating everybody and you know it's kind of hard to gauge where and i think every team in the state is struggling with with that in their own way so it should make for great football games for the rest of the season across the state and you know we're just going to keep taking it one week at a time and and uh, hopefully just stay healthy and just show up like they did today I was talking to a coach uh, this week where I think we might see a lot of seven and three teams get into the playoffs. Yeah. I think we might see, I don't, we might not get an undefeated team going into the tournament. I, I mean, we probably will, but I think we're going to get fewer than we normally do, especially in like S or, or M, um, you know, double L, maybe Darian L, maybe St. Joe's, but they'll play. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot of eight and twos, a lot of seven and threes getting into the playoffs. And then it's just going to be a crapshoot because who the heck's going to know what's going to happen. We, we sure as hell don't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess piece, but you know, again, for, for, for pure entertainment value, it's absolutely, uh, you know, it's fun. It, it is fun that way. And I'm, uh, I'll say it straight up. Uh, I'm doing horrible in our picks. We're all doing horrible in our picks. And you know what? Uh, I could care less. I don't care because you know what? It's just the unpredictability of it is uh, refreshing and it's fun. Uh, but when you think of all that, there are there is the one consistent thing here this week. The one, you look at the whole four weeks that we've been through, the one consistent thing has been the FCAC. 
just as a whole, as a league. I mean, you look at this. We're going to actually jump into the top 10 real quick early. Here's the latest top 10 poll. And as you will see, going up from number 10, Southington, they lose the hall. They're at 10. Nine, Killingly. Eight, Fairfield Prep. Seven, Ridgefield. Your boy's getting in there. Number six, Norwalk. Number five, Hall. Number four, Grinch. Number three, New Canaan. Number two, St. Joseph. And number one, Darianne. You look at that. One, two, three, four, five. Five out of the first six teams, all FCAC. Six out of the first seven. Six out of the, sorry, six out of the first seven, all FCAC. Ridgefield in there too as well. So, I mean, eight, eight of the, seven of the top eight in terms of living in Fairfield County. Yeah. Fairfield Prep. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at Fairfield. It's Fairfield County, and then there's everybody else right now. Um, you know, even we didn't talk about it last week, but even uh, even Hall Hall jumps all the way up here to number five. But even Hall had an iffy, iffy. They're an iffy four and zero. They almost got beat by Ward last week. You know, they were down twenty four. Sorry, it was twenty six to twenty two late in that game. They needed a drive, Hall to actually get down into the goal line, almost fumble the ball and the game away to, to, to Ward. And there are some pictures out there that got sent to us that even said that this fumble picked up for a touchdown uh, late in that game to give Hall the victory and keep them undefeated. That might have even been a blown call. His knee might have been on the ground. But that's how close Hall was to losing to a Ward team, which, you know what, if I'm Ward, I'm like, you know, we're, you know we may not have been having a great season, but, you know, we almost beat the number five team in the state. So uh, there's something to hang your hat on there. But what does that say about the CCC and the rest of the state compared to the Fairfield County? If Hall barely beats them, then they turn around and beat Southington. And I know Pete was all over this off the uh, air. Pete, give us your take on Hall right now in the CCC. Uh, the state of the CCC is not good. That's it. The best team is Windsor. The best team in that conference is Windsor. Yeah. And if any team is going to be ranked in that conference, in the top 10, it should be Windsor. I will say this. I did not have Hall on my ballot. I didn't I did. vote for them with any of my 15 votes, uh, any of my 15 spots. I did not vote for Hall. I did. And I'm not saying that they're not a good team. They're not having a good year. But there are better teams with one loss or two losses that deserve to be ahead of them. And, you know, we're not looking at resumes here. Look, I voted. I'll say this. I voted Richfield three. You want to know why? They've played three really good teams. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not impressed with the CCC this year. Uh, Windsor scored 22 points against St. Joe's um, and they lost. Well, you know, other teams in the SEAC have scored 21 points total. And that includes Xavier. Um, you know, I, I just, it drives me crazy about the poll. I slacked this to you off. You know, it drives me bananas. We're going to reward Hall for this great win over number four, Southington. And then we're just going to punish Southington completely and drop them all the way down at the bottom of the poll. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't have Southington that high last week. I think I had them at 10 yeah. and they were at number four. So I just think in a year of a lot of unknown, which we do have, and we spoke about that. So I understand the, the fluctuation of the poll every week. But, like, it's okay to look at a team with one loss and say, hey, you know what? This team's actually pretty good. Like, let's vote for who they are, not what their exact results are. Now, when you lose five or six games, that's completely different. But a Newtown team that's 2-2, two two, their two losses are to Richfield and Darianne. Yeah. How the heck do they fall out? 
you are really on the warpath with the with the voters. And I, I share some of that with you, although I did have Hall pretty high because I, I figure. And remember, I was I, I wanted to talk about that ward game last week. I thought it was fascinating that they almost lost a ward, which got destroyed by like the likes of a few of the top FCAC teams. And, uh, you know, then they lost to West Haven last week. Um, you know, West Haven's OK, but uh, but, you know, that was a very interesting result. And then you saw Bristol Eastern. You know, singing everyone's singing their praises. They're two and zero, oh, and they go to play Wilbur Cross, and Wilbur Cross just, just took them, took care of them. You know, and then Wilbur Cross turns down. They get destroyed by Staples last week. So uh, it really, if you look at the transit of properties, man, that is, it's looking iffy right now for the CCC minus Windsor. Which, yeah, they lost to St. Joseph's by a, but they kind of got taken right out of that game. We talked 20, about by twenty three points, yeah, right, but. Then they turn around. And they they beat up they beat up a Weathersfield team everyone liked too. So I think you're I think you're spot on about the CCC brand. I think Windsor's the only really. I mean, you want to talk about Bloomfield sitting out there? Maybe maybe they don't play anybody. <laughs> so let's just let's talk about some of these results here. Um, I think we start off with the with the Trumbull one. And I watched the film on that the other night. You know, I'm it was one of those games that you know I, I thought Trumbull after they had almost lost to Fairfield Ludlow on a on a botched extra point that turned into the winning two-point conversion by Corbin Smith. Uh, they almost, they barely lost to Lolo. Lolo, not bad, but like they barely lost Lolo. Meanwhile, uh, Shelton's just running up and down the field on Greenwich. So I figured, you know, it would be a typical Shelton versus Trumbull game where Shelton just, you just takes, take, just manhandles them. But uh, Trumbull is having none of that, especially Corbin Smith taking this pass. 45 yards from Hunter Gossett for a touchdown, put Trumbull up 6 nothing after the first quarter, and then scores on this amazing one, the one everyone was talking about after the game, where he cuts left, cuts right, goes back against the grain, does a little deep move, and cuts back again left, scores a touchdown, and put Trumbull up with the with the, with the extra point, Trumbull up 13 to nothing, and that was big trouble for Shelton after that. They also had a turnover in there, Owen Solano scores on our 20 yard run then ben carley caught a 10 yard pass from agosti they were up 20 to nothing at halftime 27 to nothing after three quarters and then smith corbin smith again scores his third touchdown on this 82 yard short pass magosti goes all the way down and that was pretty much it trumbull completely taking shelton out of that game and smith added a 20 yard run after their they had been pushed back after a few penalties still scored. And uh, just like that, Trumbull with a big win. Mars Petrosio talked about it after the little game a bit, saying we hadn't had a statement game since I've been here. That was back in 2018. And here's Smith, who was just unbelievable, talking about the big win for the Eagles. He put them back on the map. I mean, I just think that's a huge step for us. They're ranked seven in the state, and we really show what Trumbull football is all about for our host, first home game. Smith had seven carries for 52 yards and two touchdowns. He had six catches for 178 yards and two touchdowns. Hunter Argosi was 20 of 28 for 354 yards and three touchdowns. And everyone should be buying the whole entire offensive line of Trumbull uh, some pancakes uh, coming up for this week going into the bye. But that's not enough, Pete, to get him into the top 10 of the poll. What did get in the top 10 of the poll was Ridgefield. And I went up there to see Newtown Ridgefield. I see it was like, it was like a game night decision for me to actually go up there. But you said I needed to see Richville. You were on that bandwagon, Pete. And I'm leading uh, that bandwagon. <laughs> we'll talk about I am, that. I am the captain. 
we, we so I'm like, all right, let's see. I hadn't seen Newtown. I voted him number one. I'm earlier before they lost to Darian. I figured what the heck, uh, you know, I'll go see Ridgefield versus uh, in Newtown. And it was my first trip to Newtown's Boone Goal Stadium in two years. And Pete, let me just first one, let me just tell you how gorgeous the stadium looked. It's amazing what an all time ama- incredible state championship that captures the heart of the nation will do. And two years later, they got the, the new turf, beautiful new turf, the logo, the new logo out front. They got sponsors galore lining up and down the field. It looks like everybody just can't wait to give Newtown their money to get on the Newtown football bandwagon. They got the beautiful new scoreboard with the beautiful logo up on top with the, with the replays and more sponsors and everything. The place looked absolutely great. Here comes Ridgefield thinking they're gonna spoil the party. And from the outset, it was a defensive battle all the way. Let me tell you about the, uh, the defensive backs in this game, especially Matt Shepard, the lacrosse goalie who led the Tigers to a state championship of lacrosse last year, showing his football chops off. Uh, he was batting down passes all night long. They could not throw on him or much of the Richfield defense as well. But Newtown's defense is just as good. And the only points we saw in the first half was Ignacio Brina, 35-yard kick. But then Richfield gets the ball back to start the second half, and Kyle Colsey, speaking of lacrosse, Kyle Colsey, head coach Roll Colsey's son, catching a little out on third and long from Justin Keller, taking it to the house, 47 yards to put Richfield up, two scores, 10-0. But Newtown's response touchdown pass from Dylan Magazoo got wiped out for offensive pass interference. It was an all-too-common theme for Newtown, especially in the second half. The Hawks had two touchdowns wiped out because of penalties in the second half and nearly had a third put in jeopardy. But Newtown finally got on the board when after a holding call, wiped out first and goal, Magazoo hit Cam Ward for a 24-yard touchdown pass to pull within three points, but just could not get over the hump. Magazoo had another long touchdown. This time his running touchdown wiped out due to holding. Newtown was absolutely furious at these calls. But yet, despite all that, still had a chance to win the game late. Had the ball twice in the final five, six minutes of the game and had a golden opportunity to, to, to go ahead. But Ward, after catching the great touchdown pass earlier, just can't get his hands around this one. It was a heartbreaking drop. Looked like his feet might have got a little tangled up. There was nobody in front of him, and you get your heart pounding. It's just a tough break, and then two plays later, Ridgefield takes advantage. Chris Reinhardt, who hadn't even practiced this week, much like played last week because he had a positive COVID test that was then negative, and he only got cleared the day of the game, picks off the pass from Magazoo to put this one in the books, and Ridgefield with the big victory over number five, Newtown, and jumps into the top ten. You know, you were singing Justin Keller's praises uh, last last few weeks. Well, here's Justin Keller singing Pete's praises after the game. Uh, Pete, I was listening to all the podcasts. I appreciate all the love. We're showing you that the Ridgefield bandwagon's one to be on there right now. So Ridgefield's rolling, baby. That's for Pete right there. And there he is, Pete's driving the bandwagon, the Ridgefield bandwagon. Welcome aboard. If you're not on now, man, it's too late. Apparently, all the voters just getting the memo on Ridgefield, putting them there at number seven. But what can you say about Ridgefield continuing to proving you right? They're good. And Newtown's good. They're both good teams. It was a good game between two top 10 teams. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I'm all in on Ridgefield. I'm putting all my chips in the basket on the Tigers right now. 
they've just come out since, again, that fourth quarter against Greenwich, and they've just been awesome. And it's exciting to see. And, you know, they're a team that I think can really make do some damage. It can maybe rupture that top of the FC act that we've had consistently over the past, you know, five seasons. Ridgefield, unlike so many of the teams from the FCAC, SWC, and the uh, SEC, uh, do not have a bye. They go to play. They go play Stanford this week. Then they get West Hill before October 22nd. They get St. Joseph, uh, which should be a well, a really interesting game just to uh, just kind of kickstart a brutal two, three or two, three week stretch. You know, St. Joseph gets Darien the next week after that. But Ridgefield flying high, and it looks like they're going to be in the consciousness for a while here. Uh, Pete, you got to go see a fascinating. We were talking all about Massac last week, and and Nick Saku and the and the guys screaming for our attention, and uh, Han was lo- staring at an 03 start for the first time since two. Uh, uh, sorry, since the first time since 1987. Uh, and uh, well, what can you say about that game? What I will say is that Daniel Han played really well. And if, you know, maybe they're still trying to find their footing after their first two games where they started 0-2, 1-2 uh, now. Um, but I will say this about Master. Nick Saku is really athletic. And they were able to kind of contain him. But I think Steve Christie said it best in the postgame. This was the best team that Massac has faced all season. And, you know, maybe you look at their schedule in the first three games where, you know, they should have won those three games. Masic should have went 3-0 going into this game. And I think Hand was on a different level. And I think that just speaks to the SWC. And, like, maybe the conference isn't there yet in terms of, you know, other than Newtown competing on the state level. You know, this is a Hand team that is not the Hand teams of the past three or four years, yet they still dominated Masic, an up-and-coming team, you know, an exciting team that everyone wants to talk about. And Hand just dominated. Like, it was close, maybe for the first quarter, two quarters. And Ethan O'Brien just got going on the ground for hand. Just running with his head down, running over people. Uh, he had three touchdowns. You know, your boy Seth Schweitzer got going. One in four drives in, like, five minutes of gameplay. He scored a touchdown, recovered a fumble, threw an interception, which Eric Becker was like, oh, uh, when I asked him the postgame. And then, he, and then he made up for it by intercepting the next pass. Uh, you know, your boy was all over the place. Hand looked really good, and I think Masic is um, – I think their schedule helps them the rest of the way. But, you know, they saw a good team, and, you know, now they need to get that. 49 to 21. I, I did not expect it to be that much of a, a, a route there. But, you know, O'Brien coming back from an injury that he'd suffered in the first game and uh, Schweitzer being Seth Schweitzer, an amazing player. Um, you know, doing his thing and then uh, putting hand back, back, you know, on a sure footing now, because that's a tough start. They lose new cannon. Okay. You know, Fairfield prep, that game could have gone either way. Um, speaking of Fairfield prep, I got to go see them Pete down at, uh, down in Greenwich. And, you know, I, I picked Greenwich to win that game. I didn't think it was going to be a tough, I think it was going to be tough, but you know, as we mentioned the Fairfield prep, they beat hand and it was a look good doing it. Then they looked, they beat Hillas and didn't look great doing it other than their special teams. They go up and uh, they beat Connor 28 to nothing. And now it's like a homecoming or whatever. It was like a, it was, it was a great homecoming at Greenwich. It was the first time we 
We had their, you know, show their their beautiful new bleachers. Their first game on their home field in like two years. It looked like the Meadowlands. It was finally Greenwich has like a a stands and a press box and a facility that kind of meets the lofty expectations you might have for Greenwich. It, it certainly dwarfed the scoreboard if you looked at it. The scoreboard. Remember how massive that thing looks? Now the stands actually match the scoreboard. It was a it was a you know nice spectacle down there and it was a beautiful looking facility. They did a nice job at Greenwich. But then the game started and I almost fell asleep, Pete. Other than a couple broken plays, the defenses played well, but. Scott Erickson and I both there at that game trying to figure out, was it the offenses that were just bad or was it the defenses that were really good? And I think we, we determined that the defenses were playing very well, but the offenses uh, were not, they were dropped balls. You know, the run games couldn't get going. Um, it was a, it was a tough, tough game to watch. And Greenwich needed this one badly or otherwise they were staring at it, you know, two losses already you liked what you saw from from fairfield prep going in undefeated you know you you were kind of waiting for the, the other shoe to drop after uh after the hill house performance and, and sure enough there it was two broken plays by greenwich other than that though it was a pretty even game and these are two teams that basically need to, to figure themselves out uh, but i did like some of the defensive guys there especially our guy michael sinisi there who looks like he, he looks like he dislocated his fingers or, or something like that. He had a big wrap around his hand. And he comes in. He was the first time he'd been playing defense since Pop Warner days. But they needed to stop the run because Greenwich clearly, clearly was not good against the run against against Shelton the week before. He gets stuffed in the line there. I thought the defensive lines and the line, but they played very well for, Gre for Greenwich. Fairfield Prep just had no answers offensively. They got the one touchdown. And that was pretty much it. But both teams, very similar. It was just Greenwich happened to win this day. So a little alarming there for the Cardinals. Not only did they stay in the top, but they bounced all the way up to number four, which, okay. I don't know if they deserve to be that high. But, you know, as you said, there's a lot of inconsistency here. And uh, so then, uh, then there was the game of the week, Pete, and you were at your game. And we'll talk to Pat Miller of Norwalk a little bit later. But what, what did you get out of that game on Saturday? Uh, snoozing early. Um, you know, look, Cheshire was without Christian Russo, their best player, and then lost their quarterback, Matt Jeffrey, on the first drive for the game. So Cheshire's going in for the whole game with their backup running back, their backup quarterback. Uh, Norwalk couldn't seem to get going offensively. Um, you know, we talked to Coach Miller about it, but it seemed like neither team wanted to get a positive yard, let alone score a touchdown. Uh, obviously, they were trying. It just they just kept getting in their way. A lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes. And then the game just kind of picked up. The first half took forever. And then the game just started to pick up. And obviously it ended with Norwalk winning. Uh, you know, Ryan Gilchrist comes off the bench, the backup quarterback when Sean Brown got injured, hits Cam Edwards on a wheel route on fourth and 18, uh, gives them the lead after Cheshire had gone down the field to score to take the lead 15-12. Norwalk comes uh, Norwalk goes down, scores on that crazy play. Cheshire tries to throw themselves back into the game, throws a pick six, 25-15, game over. It was wild. Huge win for Norwalk. First time they're 4-0 since 2011. Uh, that was Sean Ireland's first year with Norwalk. It was funny. Sean helps out at the football games. He does the 40-second clock in the, in the press box. And uh, so he came down after the game. And, you know, Sean was there when I worked at the Norwalk Hour. Uh, so me, him, and, and Coach Miller were talking for a little bit, and, and I joked at them, and I said, so, like, Pat, now you need to go to the semifinals, because, like, Sean did that. 
And then maybe next year, Norwalk should just get another coach because first year coaches have had such great success uh, for Norwalk to start the year, but really good win for Norwalk. If they're going to make a run to the playoffs, it's really going to, they really needed to win that game because, you know, upcoming, they have a bye, then they go new Canaan. uh, They have new Canaan, Darian Wilton in three of their last five games. So, you know, you go, you know, I I don't want to predict here, but if Norwalk loses all three of those games to new Canaan, uh, Darian Wilton, they have staples on there too, but if they lose all three to new Canaan, Darian Wilton, they should go seven and three. And that's potential for a spot in the playoffs. You know, yeah, you win one of those games, you beat Wilton, you go eight and two, you're going to the playoffs. What's the story with Russo? I think he, he got hurt at the end of, uh, his game last week. Uh, I don't think he played in the fourth quarter of the second half of that game. And I, I just don't think he was, was healthy enough to play. You know, look, you know, Cheshire has their eyes on the playoffs. And uh, I think they want to make sure that Christian is healthy enough for the, for the long run, because it doesn't get easier for Cheshire. It does not. I mean, Cheshire, they play in the, they play in the SEC. That's a big time conference, good teams. Um, I just think that they, they wanted to make sure he, um, he was around. I mean, look, they have a buy, then they got Xavier Newtown, NFA, West Haven, Shelton and Southern. Wow. Like that's hard. So you want your guy. So if it was giving Christian two weeks to get healthy for that stretch, you know, I think Don's looking at the long haul. It was another big Alliance week. I think we got 24 games out of the 26 or seven that were scheduled. We have uh, Amity's playing West Hill today, Monday, as we're recording this, you're going to run out there in a little bit, but um, you know, the SW, uh, the SWC went five and six, the SEC went seven and 10. The ECC 101, the CCC 001, and the Independent Capital Prep, which is part of the alliance, they went one and zero. They beat Basic. The FCAC, meanwhile, a robust nine and five. That probably might change to get later against Amity and when Hamden plays uh, McMahon. But FCAC coming out of the weekend nine and five, pretty good overall. The FCAC is fourteen and ten in the alliance games. That's the best record, followed by the SWC at ten and nine, the CCC at six and six, the ECC at three and four, and the SEC kind of getting the short end of the stick here, although they play many more games. 16 and 20 is their record against the Alliance. Are all these games great? No, they're not all great. There are some really great matchups and, and kudos to them for doing this. But, you know, if you look at it, the average margin of victory in the in the Alliance games this week were almost, was almost 20 points. There were some just destructions out there. And that's not even thinking about Darian just destroying NFA, which was unbelievable. Starting quarterback, Miles Drake was out of the game with 9.33 left to go in the second quarter. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of shows you how far the uh, the the FCAC is ahead of the ECC. And then, yeah, had St. Joseph completely dismantling Xavier uh, the other night, uh, Saturday night, when a game that I thought was going to be a, a decent one. But St. Joseph gave them no shot whatsoever. So then, yeah, and then the only other one that was curious was was New Canaan, you know, kind of in a little bit of a dogfight there with North Haven. I said it. They didn't even have the ball in that game. (laughs) I mean, North Haven was, you know, they had a nine minute drive. Like, it's hard to put up points when you don't have the ball. Typical North Haven fair. I was like, Sags is going to make me eat my words because I said this sounded like a good idea at the time. I mean, Listen, North Haven, good for them, able to control the ball. That's how North Haven wins its games. 
uh, especially when they're, uh, you know, might be a little overmatched, which I think this year is fair to say. Um, if you don't see it like you're a new Canaan, it's tougher to prepare for. So they were in a little bit of a dogfight. It was 7-7 early, 14-7, and then they added another one. They barely get out of there. But, you know, I saw new Canaan too, so I thought they were okay. Um, I, but they're, you know, among that group, the, F, the FCAC is just kind of boss right now. I think that's the whole point, Pete. Yeah, I will say this quickly um, about St. Joe's and, and what they did uh, to Xavier and what they've done to every team. They go out and they punch you in the mouth and then they just keep hitting you until you uh, go up. into submission. Yeah. They they come out firing. I would love to see the, the stat, but I would like to think that they've scored in every first drive they've had this year. I need some saber metrics here. But I think that St. Joseph scored on their first drive every year, uh, every game this year. Yeah. And when yeah. you can do that and you can control and you can go up early, then teams are playing from behind. That said, that Darianne game and the rest of St. Joe's schedule, I would like to see them play from behind. I mean, I think they're really good. And I have them at number two on my ballot. But, you know, they come out and they hit you. And uh, if you don't get up, they're going to keep pouring it on. And that's what they've done each and every week this year. We talk about, uh, you know, Matt Morrissey. But what about Mark Morrissey, who uh, was ridiculous, had an interception, two sacks, and another attack for a loss and gave Xavier no chance in that game, 42-7. to seven. So there you are, Pete. You know, number one, Darian, number two, St. Joseph, both with first-place votes. I mean, uh, then New Canning, then Greenwich, and Norwalk at six, Ridgefield at, at seven. And we're looking at, it's the, uh, basically this, this season is kind of turning into the FCAC invitation. But uh, well, what else, Pete? What else happened out there that was just kind of nutty that really kind of st- struck your fancy? Torrington beating Woodland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What happened there? Shout out to my boys. Uh, they ran the ball and they ran it well. And that's why I think I said on the pick and pod if Norwalk can control the ground game, they will win. And that's exactly what they did. So shout out to Gaetan. Rodriguez and the boys up in Torrington. Also, Coggenshaw continues to win in the Pequot. Oh, my God. Again. Continue. We pick against them every week, and they continue to win every <laughs> single time. <laughs> they told us to get on the bandwagon earlier. There's a team that was inviting us on the bandwagon, Pete. They were inviting us. Week two, you saw, you know, Toth and the guys and Mike Eagle. We're, we're, we're in a good spot. And uh, we just didn't listen, Pete. I guess we just didn't listen. But uh, that was an impressive victory of them. They're all of a sudden looking like favorites in the Pequot. Uh, you know, then there's also Cromwell, Portland, Owen Brunk and the, and the guys finally get their first game in like almost a month. Uh, Brunk had an interception, scored a rushing touchdown, get four tackles for a loss, 10 tackles overall. It was dragging people all over the field, Pete, uh, as uh, they just dismantled Haddam Killingworth in that game. 41 to three uh, and again, another game that I thought was fascinating, you know, yeah, the ECC, this and that, and the other thing, but how about Austin Howe for Newington? Now I said, look out for Newington. That was a team that's on my radar after some pretty big performances. Then they go up, they start playing Middletown and Middletown's kicking their butts. And I'm looking at the results on that game. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I mean, is the CCD going to do this to me again? And, uh, but they came back, they rallied Ohio was ridiculous. He had uh, ran for 52 yards and three carries and two touchdowns, eight receptions for 117 yards and two touchdowns. He threw for a touchdown, had a, had an interception and scored a two point conversion. This kid is 
I want to say single-handedly because he's got a lot of good players around him. But without him, man, Newington would be in big trouble, especially against a Middletown team that was desperate. Yeah, Austin Howe is a – just look, he's putting up video game numbers. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. It seems like a lot like Anthony Simpson two years ago, Raquan Tompkins uh, the year, uh, you know, 2018. Like, you're just – you're looking at these numbers and you're like, did he move the sliders all the way up to play the computer on easy mode? Like – what he's doing is just incredible. And, uh, you know, Jason Pace does a great job up there. Newington's a team that went to the playoffs two years ago. Um, looks like they might have another chance to uh, to get a shot at it. But, they, you know, their schedule is not, you know, the easiest. They obviously still have dates left with, with, with Weathersfield on Thanksgiving. They got Berlin, Platt, Windsor, Weathersfield. I mean, Platt's three and one. Um, you know, <laughs> they got Berlin's uh, three quietly, and a Winter quiet three one, right? Yeah, they got that. That those last four weeks, uh, four games for Newington are not going to be easy, but man, the way they're playing now, averaging over 50 points a game or close to 50, 50 points a game is pretty, pretty bonkers. Joining us now to talk about that game is Jeff Jacobs, our columnist of Game Time CT. Jeff, how you doing? Uh, kind of a big win there for Norwalk. Uh, oh, what can you tell us about what happened there? It looked like they were dead. Next thing you know, they were, they were, they were okay. They were, they're four and oh, and now they're riding high. Well, first thing I have to lead with the real important stuff after, I believe it was you who poo pooed hall last week and, uh, they promptly took down Southington and, uh, uh, my daughter's, uh, boyfriend couldn't make the game this past week. He's a volunteer coach with, with hall because he went to New Hampshire to prepare to spring a surprise uh, proposal to my daughter. So shout out to Wayne Brookbanks, uh, who has an undefeated Hall team uh, going there and is going to join. I'll be part of his family. and will be part of mine. On the Norwalk look. Well, congrats. A, congrats quickly. Yes, congrats. congrats to Coach B, I like to call him. Uh, <laughs> I came out of a Saturday sort of with a moral dilemma, fellas. I was, it, it was, I was really, and I wrote about it. It was really fun being around Norwalk. It was just, they were, they were into it. And, you know, a team on the rise and a team has a lot of buzz. But I, I drove home and even through last night after getting an email from an assistant coach at, at Cheshire, I really have a moral dilemma over like how we go about reporting injuries, how we go about um, uh, reporting mistakes by players, uh, mistakes by coaches in post-game interviews. And it really, it, it, it's sort of like, you learn, I, I graduated from the University of Missouri. It's a pretty big journalism school. Been at this for more than 40 years. And you set a certain standards at like the pros and the, and the uh, colleges and even at the high schools, but there's not a long list of do's and don'ts on reporting high school sports. Um, and now, God forbid, little league sports. Uh, and I guess get this feeling after a month into it, there are plenty of parents and coaches who kind of want to set the journalistic agenda and uh, either by not returning calls, not even coaches, athletic directors. And it's really interesting to me. You know, uh, we, we built that up, that game as the game of the week. And it, it seemed like a lot of fun and a great showdown between cam edwards and christian russo and we wrote a big story about it and all of a sudden christian russo didn't play right and you know he was hurt 
a surprise. <laughs> now, now we, we talk about our picks. They really are just for fun because if, you know, injuries are part of picks. So, we, you know, they better be for fun with the high school thing. But I'm just wondering how far fun goes. After, after the game, uh, I asked Coach Drust um, two questions and he gave me 11 total word answers. And the assistant coach emailed me and I, I would never have made that public except for he made it public on, on, my, on Twitter that I had misrepresented what happened. I certainly didn't. I have it on 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 uh, on tape, and I would just asked him about the last play on fourth and eighteen, and he said he's got to watch it. Meet me in the video, and then I asked him. I started asking him about the two kids hurt because the quarterback left in the first quarter. I was about to finish with like uh, he still stood in there, and you know, because you just talk about like you know battling out. But I never got to that. He just interjected. Yeah. We don't talk about injuries. Sorry. So I said, thanks. Left. You know, you want to be Bill Belichick? I'll call you Bill Belichick. I called him Bill. I called him Belichickian. Didn't didn't run him or anything, but he's a pro. You know, and and you guys tell me he's a wonderful guy, and I'm sure he is, and I'm sure he's a great coach. But I know what happened, and there's a lot of parents and supporters of of various school, of various kids that don't just don't want to hear anything, even remotely that's not. My my coach and my team and my kids are wonderful, right? And it, it's really got me thinking about what, what we're about coaching. Uh, excuse me, about writing about high school sports. It really yeah. it's it's just yeah, made. I could I could totally see that existential crisis. And we we talked a little beforehand, and I'm 100 percent with you. There are some things that we get told that we shouldn't be writing about, and my response to them is, "Are you kidding?" I mean, like everybody knows that. I mean, there are some. And we talk about this too off before we 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 we, we jumped in here. Uh, there are some things that high school reporters tend to sometimes leave out of games. We don't say when a thing happened, or we don't say who did maybe made, did miss that tackle, or maybe didn't make that play. And uh, you know, and and it's a dilemma. Do we should we be doing it completely unabashed? You know, no holds barred, just let everything out because it's the truth, or do you try and because you're dealing with kids who are not professionals, they don't do this for a paycheck. Yes, there are scholarships at stake and, and big time things at stake, but that's down the road. And it's only for a handful of kids. For the most part, a lot of these kids are, you know, what they do here is going to resonate down the road just in their personal lives. And that's it, you know, and where do we, you know, do we draw a line if so? And there are certainly times that I have been, you know, put off by a way coaches will try and like spin things. I don't like it. You know, and I'll I'll try my best to, to uh, give out the right answer, what I think is the right answer. And I'll say if a coach uh, doesn't want to talk about a certain issue, I don't know why. And if, but there are also certain times where I will be like, you know, I don't really think that that is a big, important part of this story. Just throwing a kind of a kid under a bus. Sometimes I, I have been uh, I have I have held back a little bit. Like, I'll give you an example. I didn't really talk about uh, a uh, who, who dropped a, a touchdown pass in, in, a, in a late game, in a tight game. But, you know, we talked about it earlier today, but I didn't do it on, on social media that in the moment. I just, you know, was I just didn't do it. So, yeah, there's a certain dilemma here. What and then with the problem is if you don't do if you don't tell all these things that you don't you set a standard and then people are saying, like, well, why did you say why did you say this kid made the error this time? You know, and why I, I think I think we'd agree. If a kid picks up his fourth foul in a game, 
we'll write his name that he picked up a fourth foul in the game. If a kid throws an interception, we'll identify that quarterback interception. But if a kid boots a ball in the sixth inning of a game, we may not, we may not, I know we don't sometimes identify that kid. Uh, and uh, the kid Washington missed the tackle on the big, on the big play, fourth and 18. Okay. Three, four minutes left to go in the game, fourth and 18 and Norwalk wins it. It's, and we've promoted it as the game of the week. So for me, not to identify him as missing that tackle is unprofessional by me. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything disparaging against it, just missed the tackle. My question to, for, for Drust, which was open-ended, was to allow him to say, hey, you may have seen a kid miss a tackle, but we blew coverage couple other guys blew coverage or we knew it was coming and we blew, we blew coverage or it was the missed tackle and right. i'm not putting any words in his mouth i'm just saying right. that that allows you to uh to help tell a fuller truth without embarrassing anybody so i mean it's 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 like I, i've seen things i see kids take uh uh really stupid personal fouls during games and my urge as a father as a parent is to put their name in the paper for them to learn it but I use I, I I unless it real that unless that uh, turn a game around, I don't put that in there because that would be like setting some. I'm not saying it's a wrong standard, but it'd be setting the Jeff Jacobs standard on that. That it's not up to me to to set every standard. But we listen to parents. Their Johnny never did anything wrong. Right. And if we listen to the other team, that other guy is a jerk and carve them up at all times so there's a journalistic responsibility for covering high school that i'm not sure what it is we go out and cover lily games which heaven forbid i don't even know why we do it espn is that yeah no i'm 100 with you i can't i i'm i was well off that bandwagon ever since uh the 2000 world uh literally world series the whole who was that kid throwing smoke Daniel Monte. Like, yeah Daniel. <laughs> i was like this is just too much i'm off this train for good but no but, it's, but I, it's go ahead I just want to say in closing on this coaches are professionals, just like we're supposed to be. And you got to be trying, give us the right kind of truths. And, and if you're going to be, if you're going to pout after a loss, you, you run the risk of being portrayed as a pout after a loss. I'm sorry. As great a guy as you are, that's just, it, it isn't oh, just yeah. what you, it isn't just what you uh, uh, do for your kids. It's what you portray in public also. And and uh, and uh, it, 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 I just barely mentioned it in the story. I have a little more than to mention. I'm, you know, I, I mentioned it. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I think I was asked for an apology for it. There's no apology coming on that. But I, there is there is this right here on on uh, on this show, trying to be a, a mature demonstration of what we face face there. So mm. you know, it, it it it's got me thinking a lot about. Uh, the way we cover high schools, because I've I've gone out of my way to to write like untold amount of stories that were personal and things like that. And you have the kid talking about the most intimate parts of his life, and then all of a sudden we can't put in that a ball went through his legs in the sixth inning. So it's uh, uh, I disagree with that. I disagree. I don't think that that's ever been a debate for me, at least. You know, I know that there are other reports are, and that's just the age old question: Where does high school football, excuse me, high school sports fit? You know, what is, you know, should it be covered like anything else, which 
or is there a certain panache you need to have because they're you know underage kids because you know again if they did something wrong in the real world you know they got arrested you're not using their names until you know you know what i mean you're not you're not using their names that they got arrested unless they're 18 or older or whatever you know whatever the the local jurisdictions are so that's kind of like the dilemma to me is what you kind of battle with in your head at least they may not be a law but still you are dealing with minors too and that's another important thing i think we need to remember too but it's an interesting question i think you you bring it up a great question it's something you know i'd love to talk more about but uh any other uh anything else uh kind of tickling your fancy for this week yeah uh who is number four in the poll I'm more I'm more jacked up about that than I I don't know the answer. I'm more jacked up about that, uh, guys, than, than I was even in the first poll when I said that like I can't wait to see how it comes because like now I'm paying attention, and like uh, I spent about 20 minutes last night uh, to, uh, yesterday depending. And I was watching eight different sporting events at one time uh, yesterday on my day off, and uh, I spent a, I spent a long time trying to decide who was number fourth, number yeah. four. I think I think it's one, two, three, and then you kind of throw your hands up in the air. And even then, I don't think we'll be completely correct. But can, can, can uh, I just ask you who you guys voted for number four? I voted Norwalk. <laughs> I don't even remember voted, that, but I voted Norwalk. They're undefeated and they're in the FCAC. The Bears have they got an offensive genius. Yeah. But that, I, whoever whoever Dentley is so creative that Cheshire knew the play that was coming, the fourth and eighth play, fourth and eighteenth play. Well, we will have Pat uh, met Pat Miller from Norwalk on in just a few seconds here to talk all about that play and everything else. So we'll ask him what he. What I he uh, I voted New Canyon number four. Oh whoa! Oh, then that leaves somebody number three that that has one loss. Pete, all right. Uh, you know who my number four is? Pete's boys. Can tell us? You, you can you guess my number three? Pete's I, boys. I, my number four. You gotta guess my number three first, though. That's my number three. That's my number three. Four. I went back on the notes. You sold me on this. You didn't tell me you're gonna vote him three, but I want that. You you made a a casual statement during the course of the game Saturday, and told me to go back and look at uh, game one, and then the rest of their body of work. And uh, Richfield started off awful against Greenwich, and then outplayed them. That game was and, five uh, minutes and, longer. Ridgefield wins, and then and then since then, uh, have been a, a tremendous team. So I don't know if they deserve to be number four, but but Pete's got them number three. Look, so I'll be that. honest with you. They've played Greenwich, who is in our top ten, our top five. Outplayed them at the end. Should have won that game if it was longer. They beat a Xavier team that was number eight. They beat Newtown, who was in the top five. New Canaan has played Bridgeport Central, Brian McMahon, and North Haven. Right. I like Ridgefield's resume better. All right. All right. I love it. I, I mean, you look at those things like Cheshire. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, uh, you know, they had their best player out for a big game and I don't want to punish them too much. I dropped them some, but not too much. And Massick, we, we, excuse me. Yeah. Massick, we were just about to, coronate and look what happened to them and then shelton who we did coronate to number seven look what happened to them and you try to look at some of the different teams they played and and run them against the smaller schools that are still winning them all it was a, a it was an impossible task this week it was even it, it was even more difficult than number one because number one at least you nobody had played yet and you could just kind of pick the brand names this one had this one had data 
and it was still unbelievably difficult. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more craziness and uncertainty uh, as we go forward. But uh, I think you're right, 100%. I think the top two are solidified, and maybe even the top three. And good news, they're all going to play each other at some point during this season. So, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Give us some thoughts thanks. this week. Thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you down the road. Hopefully, everything, uh, we'll, we'll figure out the answers to these, these hard-hitting questions as we go forward. <laughs> Take me through that uh, uh, that uh, that wheel route, boy. Um, honestly, I was uh, I was terrified. I, I was I was looking over the sideline. I was waiting for Sean to come back in, but I, my head was all slippery. I came in. I did it. Kudos to Cam. Kudos to Lyon for blocking. I can't ask for more than that. We had to think of a creative way to get him the ball, and um, you know that's what we that's what we came up with. That's what we called, and uh, thankfully it worked. Our next guest probably needs no introduction because uh, well we've written a hundred stories about him. <laughs> about him coaching the Norwalk Bears coming over from Sheehan. It is Pat Miller. It's 4-0 to start the season. Oh, my goodness. It's like uh, t- first time in 11, uh, excuse me, first time in 10 years since uh, it was Sean Ireland's first year. They went nuts. Same year. Is that what happens here at Norwalk, uh, Pat? Uh, you get a little grace honeymoon period where you go to the playoffs and then all then it's all just, you know, hard work after that? So don't, don't, don't give Doug any ideas um, that he'll just – They'll fire me after this year and just keep getting in new guys in so that uh, Norwalk can, can get off to good starts. So I, was, I was actually jo- joking with Sean that, you know, hey, 2031, we're getting a new guy in and he'll, he'll do great. One of these years, you want a state championship if you keep this up. One of these years. It'll happen. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I think, think what you should do, guy, I think what you should do is you should rot- get a staff of head coaches and just rotate who's the head coaches every year. It's not a bad idea, right? I like my job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Saturday after the game, uh, Sean Ireland came down because Sean, he still helps out. He runs the uh, the play clock. Uh, How much how cool is it having, you know, a guy like him around who maybe, you know, you can lean on having experience at that school specifically? Uh, Sean's the best. Um, Anything and everything that we need. you know, just, just trying to get used to it. Like he, he knows, you know, how to get things at the school. Um, you know, he's, he's been an open book, you know, since I got there, he's like, Hey, the cupboard's not bare here. Um, you're, you're going to have players and, and, and anything you need, just let me know. And um, I've gone to him as a resource countless times. Um, so re- really lucky to have Sean still around and, and at the school and, and helping out. Yeah, no, Sean, Sean was one of the first football coaches I got to know in the state. Uh, but oh, speaking of coaches and on your coaching staff, and I don't know if Sean knows this. I noticed this the other day. Former Bunnell, UConn, and Buffalo Bill, Marcus Easley yep. on the sideline. Now, quick story about Marcus, and we're going to get into how he's on your staff because I just find it awesome. A couple of years ago, Sean and I went to a Trumbull football game at Sacred Heart University. Greenwich. And – Craig Bruno and Marcus Easley are on the sideline. So the four of us are talking the whole game. And then at one point, Marcus just turns to Sean and goes, don't think that I forgot that you left me off of your all Connecticut post team, my senior year of high school. This is a guy that went to the NFL played it. I think in the Fiesta bowl, like played it to be, and he's still mad that Sean didn't put him on the all Connecticut post football team back when he was in high school. Yeah. Except it's not true. <laughs> it yeah. is not true. No, he we was on the, the team. I, we have I, the joke. 
I think he's the only NFL player that was never an All-State player. So. No, no, no. That might be true. He got Pro Bowl votes for special teams. Let me tell you about Marcus. All right, so Marcus, it was uh, 2004. He played for Bunnell. It was my first year doing it. And I he was on the radar. And uh, they played Stratford at Bunnell. And he had, like, a ridiculous game. Pick six, the whole nine. They, you know, they didn't go to the playoffs, but it was close. I think it was seven and three or maybe, but they picked, I said, we got to have this guy on. I was linebacker, blah, blah, blah. We put him on. He says no. And every time I hear his name, I think I got to find that paper that says, Marcus, you're wrong. <laughs> and I don't, I don't have it. It's not online. It's not, you know, it's not, I don't know. Cause the Connecticut post from like, since I worked there from like 2004 until 2009, it's a black hole. There's no, they, they somehow lost it online. It's very upsetting to me. And right now we do not know. And Pete's nodding his head. <laughs> I will Marcus find it. I have old, to go to the library. <laughs> Marcus is old. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> so, yeah. How, how did that come together, though, with him uh, with him joining the staff? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, I had just, just taking the job. And um, he emailed me. And he's like, hey, I, I saw you have some uh, coaching availabilities open. Um, would like to come in for an interview. I saw the name and I'm like, okay, um, if you could send me over like a, a coaching resume or, or a resume and he goes, and then he calls me right away. He goes, I don't really have like a, a coaching resume or anything like that. Um, I don't know if you know who I am. I go, are you that Marcus Easley? He goes, yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll have an interview. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just kind of happenstance that he emailed me and, uh, he came in. He usually interviews go for maybe an hour. Um, you know, we, we did kind of the, the the normal get to know you stuff in the beginning. And then me and him went on the whiteboard. We probably went for three and a half hours uh, down in the uh, down in the coach's office. And um, we just felt like we clicked together right away. And um, It kind of took a while to, to convince him to come on. We had to meet a couple more times. Um, and then once that we went, we had a five hour session of just going back and forth, him asking me questions, me asking him, just trying to get to know each other. And at the end he goes, all right, I'm in. And then, uh, you know, we, we celebrated that. And then, uh, when he met the kids, um, he's been such a big asset. The kids love him. Um, he, he has such great insight and we couldn't be happier that, that, that he's on our staff. We could go on about, you know, where you've come from, obviously, you coach with John Faraz, part of that Farazi coaching tree that has like multiple coaches around the state. Um, but what's been the biggest difference for you going from, you know, an OC, you had two all-state running backs that you coach and Jack Davis and then Terrence Bogan to now being the head guy, being in charge of everything. Yeah, it's really just that administrative stuff. Um, you know, when you're your offensive coordinator, 100% of your time at the school is, is dedicated to football. Um, now it's, it's the same amount of hours, same amount of work, but you can only squeeze in 50% of actual football stuff while you're looking at grades. Um, you know, while you're dealing with recruiting, uh, while you're making sure kids are in class, um, you know, making sure physicals are hit, all that stuff, um, is really the only difference. There was a funny story from our, uh, our game scrimmage against new, new Fairfield. Uh, they got called for illegal man downfield and the ref just kept making, the illegal man downfield looking at our sideline. And I'm just looking, I'm like, yeah, good call. And he goes, coach, do you want to take it? I go, oh yeah, you're talking to me now. 
let's move that thing back. Yeah, moving back. Good call. All right, yeah. Man, it's preseason for me too. So, yeah, so just get just getting to use that kind of stuff is uh is the biggest difference. The Ferrazzi coaching tree. My goodness, has it been that long? He's got a coaching tree now. He's got. He's got. It's oh, it's. Coach Miller, Gaetan Rodriguez at Torrington, and yeah. Matt McKinnon at Weathersfield. Yep. Look, Mitch Azarian. Yep. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch up in Tallinn. Who's on? He's undefeated too, right? Did I miss something, or did he lose? No, they won. They, they beat, won. They they they're undefeated. And then uh, Chase Mayusier, he's the offensive coordinator at Simsbury, um, coached with okay. us too. Uh, he'll he'll be a head coach here before long. Okay. Right. Right. So so what happened to uh, to uh, Ferrazzi, he, he's the only guy with a loss in this state. What the, you guys are gonna go back and teach him a few things? My goodness. <laughs> no, he'll he'll get those guys going. Um, you know, it was a that's a when we game scrimmage New Fairfield. That's a that's a tough team, and that game went down to the wire. Um, but he'll get those guys going. He's 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 the best in the business. Um, you know, get getting the most out of those kids, and uh, you know they they've been they've been a little banged up early on in the year and he's, he's starting to get his guys back. So um, they're excited. He'll, he'll get that thing. Right. It, it was funny when uh, Pollard had his first pick, my Sean Pollard. And uh, you see coach Miller in the background, he does the fist pump. And then the, the he, it was, it was Frazzi-esque just the scream. And then he flipped. Okay, guys, like offense on the field. I was like, that looks just like Frazzi. Oh, I, I heard, I saw that. I saw that. Learn from the best. Yeah. Learn yeah. from the best. Just for, for everyone. Where, where are you from? Where did you, uh, you know, where'd you go to, where'd you play? Where'd you go to school? And uh, yeah. How'd you get into this? How do you get into coaching? Yeah. Um, I'm from Wallingford. Uh, I played at Sheen. I actually played for uh, coach Frazzi. Um, I was in his first, I was on his first team. Uh, in 2000, the season was 2005 season. I was a sophomore on that team. Uh, I think coach was 25 years old when he took over that job. Um, and he, you know, he was just the guy that I kind of, you know, clicked with right away. Um, you know, similar philosophies and things. And then uh, I went out and played at Bridgeton Academy for a year um, up in Maine. And then I went to uh, Plymouth State uh, up in New Hampshire and played football up there. And then uh, when I got out of playing, Coach Frazzi called me up and he's like, hey, you, you know, you ready to start coaching? And anybody who's played high school football, or high school sports, if your high school coach asks you to do something, you're going to say yes. So coaching football is always something that I wanted to do. I kind of realized at, a, at an early age that that I wasn't going to be able to go far as a player. Um, so I've always kind of like looked at coaches and, and always wanted to do that. I remember walking to my first meeting at Sheen thinking that, you know, I knew football. I played my entire life. I knew football. And then it's I, I go in a meeting with it's Matt McKinnon, Gaetan Rodriguez, John Frazzi, you know, Mitch is there. These guys are talking football. And I'm like, what what sport are we even talking about right now? This this <laughs> this makes no sense to me. What are you guys even saying? Um, so, yeah, you know, so kind of learned, from, you know, kept going from there. And the only thing I did well was I just kept showing up um, anytime those guys were talking and, you know, just kept wanting to meet with those guys and kind of pick their brains and start figuring things out. Um and then, you know, kind of worked my way up through my first, my first position group was wide receivers. I got to coach by myself. And uh, that was probably the best thing to ever happen to me in my coaching career. Cause they didn't even let me play receiver in the backyard. Um, you know, we had to kind of figure that. So I had to kind of figure out uh, how to do that. And, you know, you were always the kid out. coach. You were always the kid who uh, it was the automatic uh, 
Not automatic QB, but the automatic snapper. <laughs> they had me ref. I was yeah. the ref in middle school. <laughs> was, was my spot. So, because <laughs> I knew the rules the and I wasn't athletic. So, I know. You know the so. disrespect. <laughs> I can't believe, you know. That's right. So, Kids are cruel, man. They're cruel. No, it was bad. It was bad, <laughs> but. But hey, it's a creative solution to have me not play, though, because I've still felt involved. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's these, these little setbacks that usually catapult, you know, the more driven of us to greater right. heights, <laughs> you know, which is why you are in your situation that you are. You, you showed right. them. Yes. But what makes a, you know, you're talking about the Ferrazzi tree. What makes a, a, a Ferrazzi coach? You know, oh, what are yeah. you, what's, what's your, you know, characteristic? What is good hair gel, um, good hair gel, uh, screaming a lot, but the intensity in the face that can flip right to a straight face. I mean, that's, that's what I think of when I think of a Ferrazzi coach. He's the best. He's the best at doing that is, you know, and it's actually, you know, advice I've got was that, you know, you, you got to enjoy those good moments, but you're also the guy who has to keep your head, you know, on straight. So he has that delicate balance, but, it's really, it's really the work and the preparation that he gets you ready for. Um, you know, no one, no one prepares harder than Coach Ferrazzi does, and he expects so much out of the staff that, you know, when we kind of move on, you know, we have, you know, he, he basically gives us a program, and then we go find a school. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. the way that he's able to do that, where um, he, he's always been open, but he always – he wants guys who want to be head coaches. You know, he, he kind of looks for that. And, you know, that he always asks in interviews. I've sat in a lot of those interviews. It's like, what do you want to do in coaching? You know, and the guys who say, I want to do this, you know, I want to do that. You know, those are the guys that, that he likes to bring aboard. So, um, you know, I, I, I know I'm biased. I think he's the best coach in football, regardless of level, um, with all that he does and how he's gotten the Sheehan program rolling, which is, you know, when you got guys like me playing out there who, again, ref in middle school football, um, you know, he's got me out there to, to, to get where he has now where, you know, he's getting the Zach Davises, the Terrence Bogans, the Jordan Davises, you know, those guys coming out and playing football. Um, you know, I, I can't say I could spend, you know, hours and days talking about everything that Coach Ferrazzi has done for me and uh, those other coaches on staff. You're in another two-school – town mm-hmm. are you a glutton for punishment <laughs> well it's a little different it's a little different in norwalk you know we have two double l schools right you know we have uh we have over a thousand boys in our school we're one of the biggest schools in the state so yeah. um so it's John's a little jealous. different than that thing going there <laughs> um you know we do have to to share the youth pro but you know coach q does a great job at mcmahon me and him we're we're over there watching the seventh graders playing yesterday um so yeah, you know, well, uh, well, you like to be, you like to be, you know, you like to have them all coming to you. But you know, it's kind of fun having having another guy who knows how you feel exactly uh, in those situations. So a little different situation we got. But Pat, uh, tell me about your guys here. I mean, like you've been there, you've been there two. This is your second year technically because you were, you know, you know, you you missed the COVID season. You got hired right before it. You must have been. Well, first of all, what was that like actually? You get there, and then also it's like, all right, you know, it becomes this whole mess. Um, you know, what a way to start a coaching career. Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, it was, you, your heart breaks for, for those seniors last year, and 
Uh, we had an amazing class of kids, you know, Tommy Brown, Donnie Miller, Austin, uh, Austin Hall, uh, Lorenzo Delfino. Those guys really led us. Uh, Isaiah Asmati was actually starting now at uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, they they led us led us through that, and they came to those practices. They attacked it, and they were just excited to be there and be around each other. So, um, without those guys, I don't I don't know if I would have made it um, doing that. But those guys just just brought it every single day. Um, you know, we we treated we treated those seven seven games like they were real games, and um, you know, so so those guys really got you through it and. Um, you know, we, we, we just did it. We just, we just had to get through it and, and glad we're on the other side of it. So, you, you know, you, you kind of knew what you had. I mean, other than the linemen, you know, actually getting down in the trenches and starting to bet. But I heard the word around in the preseason was that Norwalk was huge. They're massive kids up front. And then they had, I didn't even know anything about uh, Cameron Edwards. I mean, I, I know, you know, because Sophomore year, you know, you don't, you just didn't hear about these guys. You know, the record was what it was. And so, uh, you know, usually when I hear like, oh, this team hasn't done very well in a while. They got big guys up front. I'm like, that's usually what they always say. And it's always the same old thing. But like this group, this group seems to have, uh, you know, really kind of uh, taken it to heart and, and, you know, built themselves up into something here. Yeah. Um, starting with our guys up front. Um, they're the hardest working group of kids I've ever been around. Um, they love lifting. Um, it's, it's their favorite Then You know, they're, they're hilarious. They'll, they'll come and it's just great to be around them because, you know, it's, it's linemen. They, they only have each other. So they, they bust on each other all the time. They're making fun of each other, but they're still lifting. They're still getting better. And, you know, they, I have to like kind of stop them sometimes. Like, oh, Hey, we're going to the edge now. So can we, you know, can I do this here? It's like, guys, you know, give, give your body a little bit of a break here, but, um, those guys are a blast to be around. They work really hard, and um, they've really been the heartbeat of our team since we've started this thing. Um, and then you put a back like Cam, who is who is special. Um, big, strong, physical, fast, can make you miss, can run you over, um, you know, has, has great hands. He's, he's really a, a complete back. Um, so when you kind of mix those together, you you know, you get to find some, some success, and um, we're glad we have them. Yeah, he is, you know, it was, it took a little time to going in that game. It seemed like you, you and Cheshire were just feeling each other out at the beginning. It seemed like no one wanted to get a positive yard, let alone a touchdown. No, we did. Beginning of that game. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak for them, but I know we did. (laughs) Uh, But once he got going, once he got rolling and, you know, obviously the big play, Ryan Gilchrist coming in fourth and 17, fourth and 18 kid hasn't thrown a pass in two years. He even told me after the game because I was terrified. <laughs> yeah, someone but, brought that uh, Mark Twain quote up. I thought that was perfect. It's like the courage is not the absence of fear. It's, you know, recognizing fear and, and overcoming it. So we actually, we called that play at Sheehan in the state championship game. Uh, it was our two-point crap. conversion. Yeah, did. It was a two-point conversion to Jordan. Um, we hit that. So it was, it was a... What can we do? You know, what can what can Ryan do to get the ball in Cam's hands here? You know, and we knew it had to be tricky because Don does an unbelievable job with those guys. Um, so we, we had to make it kind of kind of a funky, you know, kind of gimmicky play. What can Ryan do? And, you know, he does a great job executing. And I'm thinking on my way home, like, you know, we won the game. I'm, I'm ecstatic. You know, we're all fine. I'm like, 
I don't know if Ryan's ever practiced that play. <laughs> I don't know if he ever, like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't think he's ever taking a rep of that actual play. Like, you know, we usually do, we treat that. That's like a trick play for us. We, we run those on Thursdays and like, it's just a kind of a quick 10 minute period. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever gotten a rep there. He was asking me questions as we had the timeout of, uh, you know, what am I exactly supposed to do? I just remember like, Hey, just give Cam a shot. So, um, my goodness. <laughs> oh man, it was, I've been watching it I, just on loop. Just like, I, I, I was, it was incredible. And thank God it scored. Cause I had nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Those are those type of things where you look back at the end of the season and you go, wow, that, was, that really was a big moment for us, you know, and look it's at the you know, DVD that. moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what they call it. The DVD yep. moment. You know, I've been doing this a while. When you, when you want to get, you want to get into the playoffs, you need a game like that. You need a game like that. that you can, you can, you know, get those points. Cause they're going to go on. They're going to win a ton of games. Um, but to, to pull that one out was, was huge. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting off this 4-0 start, you have the bye, then you get New Kane, and you got Darian down the road. How important was it to start to get off to a hot start this year? Because, you know, you look at the schedule, and it's like the playoffs are a possibility. I mean, not that you want to look ahead. You guys don't look ahead. Sean and I, we look ahead. We're allowed to look ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of we looked at the schedule as, as a grand, you know, in the beginning before we started um, as we looked at this thing as a whole. Um we, we all, everyone on the staff realized how important these first few games were going to be um, to, you know, to really capture the kids and make sure that they, they know what's going on and um, keep them excited and keep them coming back, you know, ready for more. So um, we're, we're blessed to be 4-0, but, you know, we got a real one coming up in two weeks. So um, we can't look past any day, you know, hoping, so I just hope we have a really good film session today and a really good practice tomorrow and, um, we can't really look past any of that. Uh, tell me a little bit about the FCAC, you know, being in guys start, you know, here in the SEC, what, what's the, what's the big difference? Is there a difference? What's, you know, I, <clears throat> inquiring minds want to know these things like <laughs> coming from the SEC and then going right to the FCAC, you know, I, I want a little uh, scouting report on each side. Like what, what makes each league what it is? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're different. Um, you know, the, the, the similarity is that, um, there's just really good players in both those leagues. Um, you know, you see a little bit more of, you know, teams in, in the spread formations down here, um, where up North it's, it's more, you know, you're going to see different, different sets, different formations. You know, you're not, you're not singing, seeing the North Haven single wing down here. You're not seeing, you know, a whole lot of teams in triple option down here. Um, <clears throat> you know, but, it's been amazing. You know, the schools are so big that there, there's so many kids. And I was saying it last year during the seven on seven year, it's like every, every wide receiver in the FCAC can catch. Like yeah. they all can, they can all go up and get the ball. So you can't like, you can't roll your coverage to just one guy and expect to be all right. You know, we'll, we'll take our chance with that guy. No, every, all, all of them are good. Um, so that's, that's kind of been the, the biggest difference between, between the two leagues right now. The, the SEC guys are all puffing their chests out, especially Shelton when they beat uh, Cheshire last week. Excuse me, when they beat uh, Greenwich, they beat them up on the last game. You know, they're, they're a passing team. Uh, they, you know, they don't see the, the ground and pound stuff and all that, all that stuff. And then, you know, when I, one coach from the FC actually called it a, called the games in, in your league a pillow fight, which I thought was kind of funny because everything's so spread out. 
But then when you look at the standings and everything, you know, the FCAC is just killing it right now. Killing it out. You just look at the teams in there. It's ridiculous. Darian, St. Joseph, Ridgefield has done well. Greenwich has bounced back. And then how about you sitting there with your, I mean, can, can you even imagine? You have New Canaan sitting in there. Now it's like then Norwalk, you know, it's just like, you're right in the mix. What's that? I mean, what is that like? You know, that, that's, that's something, you know, we, we want to be, we want to be in that conversation um, with those top teams, you know, year in and year out. And um, that's something we've talked about a team as a team a lot. Um, you know, we want it to be, you know, this league is, is Darian, New Canaan and Norwalk. You know, we, we want to be in that conversation. Um, and in order to do that, we got to keep winning because, um, you know, we, we, we face obviously a, a very tough team in, in New Canaan, obviously very well coached. They've been with ever with, with Lou there. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it's 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 where we want to be. We've kind of put ourselves in position to be, to be in the conversation. But now we kind of got to stay there. So um, we know people keep wanting us to prove it. And uh, we're just excited to keep getting the opportunities to do that. So, um, Coach, you know, it's it's a the FDAC is is weird in the sense that you got a lot of city schools and you got a lot of rich rich towns that have a lot of resources. I mean, how to be to, how does how does a school with maybe that doesn't have all that stuff like Darian or New Cannon has? How do you how's it? How do you guys? Well, what's the nor? And then, you know, there are other things you got to worry about. What's the what's how does a Norwalk you know football player? How do they? make sure that they become, you know, within this discussion here. Right. Um, you know, it's, that's actually a, a big theme uh, for us was exactly that, um, that we might not have all the things that these other schools have, but what we do have is, is really good players. At the end of the day, all you can go onto the field with are your best 11 guys. Um, so while the other stuff is, is great, um, great to have, um, you know, the, the drones and the sideline, you know, the whole sideline stuff. It's great to have. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's kids making plays. So uh, we've kind of taken uh, a pride and kind of created an identity around. Um, yeah, we might not have everything else, but you know, we're going to have tough physical kids who, who compete. And, you know, that's who we are. We're going to walk the walk, um, meaning Norwalk, you know, have, you know, be, be intensely proud of, of who we are. And, and where we come from, um, you know, you watch, you, you walk it, you, you come into the school and the, the, the billboards of school is welcome to Norwalk high school, home of pride intensified. And, you know, we, we, we oh, I love it, but you know, we, we try to use that um, as kind of a rallying cry for us that, you know, we're, we're going to be tough. We're going to be physical and um, we're going to create that kind of identity. You know, you, uh, <clears throat> we spoke, I saw you a lot during the spring. Uh, you were a big supporter of the Norwalk baseball team and coach Ryan Mitchell. Now I want to say Ryan Mitchell was on the baseball podcast, high and tight. And then they went on to win the class double <laughs> baseball championship. Uh-oh. And I, I know you, you and coach Mitchell talk, you guys are close. Yeah. Uh, you were there when they won, when he's lifting the trophy, you were in the front row at Palmer yeah. field going nuts. Um, <laughs> you know, how big was them co going and winning in double L to be like, Hey, you know, we can do this here. This is not a place where you can't win. Right. Uh, first off, thanks Rye for, for, uh, giving yeah. the, uh, expectations of a first year head coach, <laughs> uh, at Norwalk. Thanks for setting the bar that high, buddy. I, re I really appreciate that. Um, no, but it, it was that exact thing. There were there, you know, I think the entire football team was there 
And we talked after they did it. And I just looked at all of them like, it can be done here. Like, we can do this thing here. Look what just happened. Um, and it was things, you know, you, you go to that game. And for, I think for the most part, you know, West Hill was kind of in control of that game. And then Norwalk just kept making that one play to keep them in it and keep them hanging around. Um, and that's something that we talked about. You know, they didn't have Morin going on the mound. You know, that's their guy. They couldn't have him going on the mound. And they still found a way. They still figured out a way to get that done. So we've been talking about that. We talk about that all the time, um, drawing inspiration from those guys and, and couldn't be proud of those guys and hope they can keep that thing rolling. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, if you guys win, we get like 50% of the credit. I'm just yeah. saying. Just, I'll take that. You could have it all if we get it. You could have it all if we get it. I will say I'm happy you guys have more pictures of me instead of me getting choked out by John Frazzi, which was on all those articles. Oh, yeah. Every article was me getting choked out by John. Yeah, that's because, you know, that's the only, you know. I know, it's the only one you had. I was in the box until that Usually game. The reason, the reason you were on the sideline was really interesting, though. Oh my God. Yeah. Our headsets, our headsets, headsets stopped working right before kickoff, right before kickoff. I am, we're getting the ball and I'm running down. I'm running around the edge as the, as the kicker is kicking the ball. I'm in the back of the end zone sprinting. And uh, you guys just say, I'm not in, I'm not in the world's best shape. I'm not down for, for a hundred yard sprints before it. So I run down, I get into that spot. Frosty's like, I just called, I called our freeze, you know, where we're not calling a play. We're just going through our cadence to, to give me time. And I'm running down, I'm breathing heavy. I'm like, okay, let's run power. <laughs> just trying to figure it out. So yeah, that was, that was crazy. But, um, you know, it was kind of, you feel divine intervention. You know, I was supposed to be down on that sideline, you know, with, with coach Frosty for that moment. So, um, we take it, we got it done. So yeah, it was crazy. You know, you be, you know, spoke about Zach and, and Terrence and Jordan, and there's some been some really good players who've been in Shea in the last couple of years. You know, how much fun was getting to coach guys like that who were just special? I mean, oh I God. remember one of my first years at the record journal and I, you know, Bryant Carpenter, the sports editor there was like, just go follow Sheehan. Yeah. And it was Zach's senior year. Yeah. And I mean, it was a treat to watch him every, it's, you knew every time the ball was in, he got five yards on a carry. You were like, Oh, he's having an off day. <laughs> that was my first year of offensive coordinator. And I could, you know, thank God. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Just give the ball to 27 over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, someone asked me, you know, especially now with cam, you know, Hey, rank, rank Zach, Terrence and cam. Oh, that was Before my next question. <laughs> so. I'm like, uh, how about I rank the luckiest coach in the state of Connecticut? Uh, <laughs> and I'll take number one. Um, those, <laughs> those, you know, those three guys. And I'll, you even add Jordan Davis into that too. Um, Jordan did so much for us. Um, but those four guys, so special in their own ways. They're all very different personality and even player-wise. Um, but the one thing that all those guys had in com common was um, they just want to do their part. You know, they don't they don't want, you know, to to be the guy that that's talked about. They just want to do their part to get get the wins. Um, so I've been extremely lucky to, to be able to have those guys and um, pray that luck keeps coming for me. <laughs> well, I'm looking at I mean, like you, well, you said before, coach, I'm looking at your schedule now. And uh, yeah, like you, you want to get that big one right there in front of you. And you can coming to your place, which should be great. 
And then you got Central Staples at Darien, at Wilton, and then a bye before you face the, the rivals from across town. Uh, I mean, there's some opportunity there, but by no means will it be a, anything but a, anything but tough. Uh, to, so this is great, but you uh, you guys got a lot of work ahead. But uh, what I mean, you know, just must be nice, though, at least being yeah. in this spot going into the bye. If we get there, we earned it. <laughs> yeah if we get there we earn you know there's there's no gimmies in this league um every you know they're too good of players and you know it's too well coached to to look past any any day um so yeah if we get there we'll, we'll definitely have earned it congratulations on a great start i mean this it's it's you know tremendous obviously long way to go uh but it looks like you got the guys to at least make a run at it i think that's the best of any coach could hope for you know just have the guys and then let's just all work hard and and see what we can do with this so uh, we appreciate you joining us here you're giving us a little time here on this monday morning thanks for having us on guys and uh thanks for thanks for everything you do for for our game and giving the kids get kids that exposure they enjoy it they love it um even when you pick against us uh, <laughs> which is often <laughs> which is often so, no, they, they love it. We, we appreciate all you guys do for, for our game. All right, Coach. We'll Thank you so it. much, Coach. Really appreciate it. So, Pete, that was Pat Miller. And uh, good to see an SEC guy, uh, you know, showing the FCA how it's done. No, no, seriously, uh, though, that great job by him. And as you mentioned before, uh, I don't know what it is with, uh, with these uh, first-year Norwalk coaches, but uh, 4-0 is not bad. Their, uh, their uh, big tests are yet to come. Yeah, it's um, we're just at the beginning here. I know that we're technically no, we're not technically at the midway part, right? We're going into week five. There's I think twelve or thirteen weeks in the season, uh, with the buys thrown in there. But uh, I mean, we're gonna start seeing who's the contender and who's a pretender soon. And um, you know, we'll see. Are the legacy programs gonna rise to the top, or are we gonna get some new faces uh, crashing the party? It's refreshing. I mean, yeah, Darian, St. Joe, New King, Greenwich. Those are, those are your top four in the uh, in this in the top ten poll. But you know, and Ridge, Ridgefield lurking well. But I, man, it is sure great to see Norwalk. You know, I know the city schools have had a, it kind of tough in the FCAC over the last. You know, they, they haven't had much of a a presence here, at least since Norwalk the last time out. I mean, there was Bridgeport Central, you know, 10, 15 years ago. That was always kind of in the picture. But it's nice to see one of the more, you know, the city schools and not the suburban schools kind of making their mark here in the FCAC, kind of showing people who's boss. But that was a big win by him. And uh, like we said, uh, you know, there's still lots to go here and lots to figure out. But uh, you know what? The way other results have happened, um, you know, I would not be shocked to see Norwalk be able to beat some of these other guys. So I guess we'll call that a podcast, Pete. Thanks for uh, joining us, everybody. And thanks to Pat Miller for giving us a little time here on this Monday. And uh, everyone catch your breath. We got a little, you know, we got so we got a ways to go here, but uh, things are just getting interesting here in Connecticut High School football. So stick with us next week. We'll see everybody on the Pick'em's podcast. That should be fun. As you heard, completely just, just laying a big egg in that. And uh, so join us there to see where we, you know, how bad we can screw it up this week. But so for Pete Pagog, I'm Sean Patrick Bowley. This has been the Meek Rider. Love you.